Well, good morning, church. I don't know if you know this, that's the gospel being played out right in front of you. It's the good news, right? Um, yeah, clap for that. Please do. Uh, people's lives are being changed. They're saying, uh, I once lived in darkness, but I don't want to do that anymore. My identity is changing, and it's being changed by Jesus. I want to partner with Him in the gospel that He has given to me. I recognize what I was, but I don't want to be there anymore, and so I'm going to live differently. Right? That's what baptism is. I'm dying with Christ and His death, but I'm raising again with Him. There's something special and powerful. Something's actually happening when you watch a baptism. God is doing something in the life of a person to change them from something old to something new. And, and it's fantastic. And God is doing it through the power of the resurrection. Right? And, uh, and yes, when we leave the baptistry, we don't just leave our discipleship behind. Hey, gang, that's the beginning, not the end. Right? The baptistry is the beginning, not the end of, of our life with Jesus. And none of that was planned, by the way. That, that's just, that's just, just you recognizing that when you see baptisms here on Sunday morning, that something powerful is happening in the life of a person. And God is doing something. And, and, and lives are being changed. And, uh, and, and it means that as a church, as a church, as a community, we do continue to gather around and say, hey, let's help people find and follow Jesus. Let's change communities where we are. Let's build Christ-like community wherever we happen to be. That's what we're all about. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. Um, do you do you have like favorite songs? You all have favorite songs. I mean, I I, I have these favorite songs. I, I can still remember like on vacation. Now, some of you younger people, you're you're gonna have to bear with me. I'm older now. We did not have digital anything really when I was a kid. Uh, you know, like the closest we got was maybe a digital clock, and then. Even then, we didn't really have some of those, okay? It was called analog. You look it up. Google will tell you, okay? Ask Siri or Alexa. They'll tell you what that's all about. But on vacation, my dad would have what was called a mixed tape. Okay, the tapes were about this big, and they, they had a, a, a spool of ribbon, okay? And, and in order to make a mixed tape, you would put all these songs uh, that you liked in your mixed tape, but you'd have to record it from other stuff. So it was a very painstaking process. And my dad had this mixed tape that he would take on every vacation, and he would just wear that thing out. I remember that finally when that tape wore out, it was like, it was kind of like mourning fell over all of our vacation, like, well, you know, what happened to dad's mixtape? And even today, like I go on vacation and some of, those, some of those songs play through my head, and I'm just like, oh, I wonder if I could get a hold of something like that. 
I wonder if I could remember enough of the songs. Do you ever have songs that just speak to you powerfully? Like, oh, maybe it take you back to your childhood or, or, or maybe it took you back to a particular uh, experience or maybe it takes you back to a, a certain time when you were younger, maybe with a certain relationship. Maybe you're sitting there thinking with your, your spouse this morning, you're thinking, oh, that's our song, honey. But music has this really powerful effect on us. And this morning, there is this song that we're going to take a look at. Uh, actually, it's a song that really is going to answer for us this, 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 really, this really driving inward question. What is going to motivate you to cultivate a heart? For God. I mean, what is going to happen inside of you to want to develop, to grow a heart that is devoted to God? What's it going to be? What's the inward drive going to be? that helps you cultivate and motivate a heart for God. Well, we're in the last week of our sermon series, Pressure Points. And over this entire series, we have looked at a whole bunch of different facets uh, of, of the pressure that life has. I mean, we all recognize that life comes with pressure. Uh, if it's not going to happen in one way, it's going to happen in another. And we've looked at a whole bunch of different ways in which, uh, you know, Pressure comes. And, and when pressure comes, what we're saying, what we've said through this whole series, is that we want to respond like Jesus. That when we're confronted and we have to confront, that, that when uh, we know betrayal and disappointment, that, uh, that when we have big battles in our life, all of us just need to uh, collectively, as a community, try and respond like Jesus. And, and really, what we've been trying to do through this whole thing is say, hey, Christians, those of you who are followers of Christ, those of you who say that I'm a disciple or uh, I, I would count myself as a Christian, that you need to begin to act like a Christian. That you need to, when the pressure points come in your life, which they will, uh, that you need to begin to respond like Jesus would respond uh, so that other people can recognize and glorify God. That your life and our life together would be about helping people find and follow Jesus. That you have a part in helping people Build Christ-like community. That where you live and how you respond to the pressure that life brings to you matters. And so this morning, we just take this inward look at this whole series because all of it's really about how do I develop this heart for God? What's going to motivate me? What's going to be the inward drive so that when I leave this place this morning and when we leave this sermon series, uh, that, that I'm going to be motivated and ready to cultivate in my life a heart that lives for God. And now there's a, there's a guy in Scripture that knows a whole lot about pressure. And we've talked a lot about him over the last several weeks, and his name is David. David has experienced all sorts of pressure. 
And it's interesting, in the text that we're going to look at this morning, David sings a song in order to answer the question that we're asking. You see, we're asking, how is it that I'm going to be motivated? What will motivate me to cultivate a heart for God? What's going to, what's going to be the thing? And David, as his life is under pressure, sings a song. And it's one of those songs that shows up twice in the Bible. It shows up in the text that we're going to look at, and it also shows up in a psalm. Twice it shows up in the Bible. I mean, it's the kind of song uh, that really we, we probably ought to take off our hat, stand to attention, cover our hearts, and listen close. Because it's going to do far more uh, than just motivate us to have pride in our country. It's going to do more than that. It's actually going to motivate us in having a heart for God. So this morning, if, if you at all have an inkling to, to want to be motivated to have a heart for God, if this morning you have come and you've walked in here and, and you're saying to yourself, I want the kind of motivation, I want to be able to sing a song uh, that reminds me about having a heart and cultivating a heart and developing a life that God would be honored by, um, then I want you to turn with me in your Bible. Can you do that? Turn with me in your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel's in the Old Testament. 2 Samuel comes after 1 Samuel. And we're going to be in chapter 22. What is it that motivates you to have a heart for God? What is it that motivates you to want to cultivate something about a life that's devoted to God? That's the question we're answering, and David in this powerful song begins to answer our question. If we want to be cultivated in having a motivation and a heart for God, then we need to realize that, uh, that God is a safe place. Uh, there's an old, I think, Gaither's song. So some of you recognize that. There was this, this um, I'm going to call them a band. <laughs> They were more than a band, but there was this Gaither group, and, and uh, they gathered and wrote lots of songs, and there's one of the songs that they used to sing, uh, Sheltered in the Arms of God. And what David is talking about uh, first off here is that uh, you can be motivated uh, for a heart toward God to developing a, a life that belongs to God because you recognize uh, that you're safe there. But it's a safe place to be. Uh, would you look with me? Look at verse 1 through 3 of chapter 22. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the, all the hands of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold, my refuge, my Savior from violent people. You have saved me. 
It's glorious. I mean, if this were to be written today by David, he would probably say, God, you are my panic room. You are my locked bathroom. You are my bunker. And some of you are thinking, I know what that locked bathroom looks like. Just, just leave me alone. I need, I need space. I need a safe place. I need, an, I need to know uh, that there's a place I can go where, where I know that I am safe. Where there's going to be affirmation. And notice how, how personal this is for David. He, he's saying, uh, not, oh God, you provide many people with safe places. He is saying, you provide it for me. You're my safe place. I don't know what you walked in with this morning. I don't know what sorts of pressures that you have experienced this week or this month or this year uh, that are just uh, sitting there waiting for you when you leave. But you need to know that part of what ought to motivate a heart that's cultivated for God is, is the fact that God is saying to you this morning, look, you can come to me. There's a safe place here. You see, some of you have walked in this morning perhaps uh, and you have kids and there's pressure with your kids and maybe they're getting older and, and, and maybe they're making decisions which you would like them not to make and you're afraid. Uh, are they going to be the right kind of people? Are they, are they going to uh, you know, love God? And you need a little motivation to recognize that, that God is a safe place for you to go with that. And maybe you're coming here this morning and you're facing a, a health difficulty and you're thinking, uh, God, what's going to happen to me? I'm facing this pressure and I want to respond well, uh, but you need to know that, that God is a safe place to take that. And maybe it's finances and maybe it's your marriage or maybe it's an addiction, but in all of that, God is a safe place for you to, to go. Now, now, how is it that David knows that, this is a safe, that God is a safe place? It's because he's experienced something with God that continues to motivate him to sing, God, you're my panic room. God, you're my refuge. You're my bunker. You're my locked bathroom. There's something that he's experienced that tells him God's my safe place. Have you ever had those experiences where the pressure seems to mount. The chaos around you is so great. You think, it couldn't possibly get any worse. And David knows exactly what that, that feels like. And he, he comes around and he begins to tell us, and there's another song out there, uh, maybe you've heard of it, God is bigger than the boogeyman. Have you heard that one? God is bigger than the boogeyman, bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. I don't know the rest, but, but God is bigger than the boogeyman. Recognize what David says. How is it that we can motivate it for God to be a safe place? It's because we recognize that there's an experience that God gives us to know He's a safe place. Look at verse 4. He said, I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The stairs, snares, not the stairs, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God from His temple and He heard my voice. My cry came to His ears. 
What is it that will motivate you to have a heart for God? What is going to cultivate this, this constant desire for you to say, I'm going to live for God? Well, David begins to sing and he says, you know what? I've had that kind of experience too. I, I've had the experience of great pressure. I, I know what it's like and you know what it's like. Junior high students, you know what it's like to feel rejection from another classmate. Oh, and, and for those of you that think rejection is just for the junior hires, it's for all of us. You know that kind of chaos. You know what it feels like when someone begins to talk about you behind your back and, and now you're, you're beginning to think about all the negative things that you could say in response and life begins to, to develop a pressure and you think, ah, the coils of death are around me. But notice what David said. He says, I called out to God. You know, for those that are in relationship with God, the one thing that we have an opportunity to do is to call out to Him. You know, when the floor drops out, all you have to do is look up. David says, hey, uh, I called out to Him. There's this constant in Scripture. I, I call out to God and He hears me. He says it actually twice. Once in verse 4, he says, I called out to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. And he said, verse 7, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God for his temple. He, from his temple, he heard my cry. And it came to his ears. How is it that you can be motivated? You can be motivated that God is a safe place because when you cry out to Him, when you call out to Him, He's not unaware of your situation. Uh, there's this song, some of you recognize it. Um, it's an older song. Uh, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Right? Um, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me. You, you, you hear that? You see, that's a picture of us, isn't it? It's a picture of this song. It's a picture of our life under the chaos and the pressure that can sometimes happen. There we are, floating about, uh, flailing. Uh, I'm sinking, I'm sinking. And all I can do is cry out to God. Why is it that you can have a motivation? What is it that you can do to have a heart for God? Well, you can recognize that when you cry out, God hears you. And it's not that you just cry out. I want you to hear. I want you to, to recognize the result of David crying out to God twice. Uh, he calls out to God, and I want you to hear God's response. It's incredible. Look with me, would you, in verse 8. He's called out to God twice. Uh, the earth trembles and quakes. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Who, who's, who's God angry with here? Oh, he's not angry with David. He's angry at David's enemies. He's not coming down so that he might get to David. He's coming down so that he might get to David's enemies. Just listen as this, this whole thing plays out. God 
is responding to David's prayers, his calling and crying out. He says, smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth, burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and he came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. Can you see it? I mean, this is a cinema, right? This is a movie waiting to happen. Oh, dear God, I need you. I'm under pressure. And here comes God uh, riding on the clouds, right? The thunder clouds. And, and he's, you know, throwing bolts of lightning at the enemy. And all of us, all of us are sitting here going, yeah! God, that's the kind of God that I need. When I am under great pressure, when my life is under great chaos, God, I need a God. I need a God that can respond to my cries for help who will come down and rescue me. What is it that is going to motivate you to cultivate, to develop a heart for God? You see, God's bigger than any boogeyman. He's, he's bigger than all the monsters on TV. Any pressure that you have, He can take care of. Now, I, I don't know. I can't sit here and stand uh, before you and say, well, this is exactly how God's going to take care of you. But this is a song of praise given to God that motivates David's heart to say, I need to live for God. Why? Because of God. You see, twice, twice as he is talking about God and his deliverance of him, he says, God came down. God came down. Look at verse 10. He says, He parted the heavens and he came down. In verse 17, he said, he, he, he reached down from on high and He took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep water. You know what's crazy? David was a man after God's own heart. Scripture tells us that. But David wasn't good enough. David wasn't faithful enough. David wasn't rich enough. It took God coming down to rescue him. Now there's a son of David. And we've talked a lot about David and, and a son that was going to be coming. And there's a son of David that, that also comes down. And his name is Jesus. And we talked about Him this morning. We sang about Him. And God, through His Son Jesus, who is equal with God in every way, would become a man and live so that He might die and die so that we might live and then resurrect so that we can have a promise. You see, God came down. And He's not just doing it for David and whatever pressures that he has. He's doing it for you and me. See, because what's true of David is also true of us. We simply can't be good enough. 
And if you are sitting there trying to be good enough, would you just stop? You can't be good enough. The only one who can be good enough is the Son of David who came to die for you. And that's, that person's name is Jesus. Do you understand? He came down for you. He came down for you to offer a covering for sin that you could not possibly earn. And you certainly don't deserve. In the church world around here, we call that grace. Grace. God's going to give you something that you didn't earn and you don't deserve. Why? Because you cried out to Him. What is it that's going to motivate you to develop and cultivate a heart for God? I I, I hope uh, that there's something inside of you as we walk through this song that's saying, love lifted me. Jesus came down. And he rescued me. Now, I have to be honest, there was this next part of this song that I kind of tripped over. Uh, Do you ever read Scripture and you begin to go, oh man, this is awesome, God! Look, it's God doing great stuff! Or is it just me? (laughs) I look through there like, woohoo! Just look at this, look, look. And then I get, to, I get to verse 21 and I kind of trip. Like I, I, it's kind of a hiccup for me. And I go, well, wait a minute. I was with you, David, right up until this point. But what is it that motivates you? And I think in this next section, David begins to say, what motivates me is the fact that Jesus or God, that God changes our identity, that He changes who we are, that there's something transformational about what God does in our life. Look at verse 21. It's kind of crazy. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, He has rewarded me. Huh? Keep going, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. I'm not guilty of turning from God. All His laws are before me. I have not turned away from His decrees. I have been blameless before Him and have kept myself from sin. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back the sin truck up. David, David, okay. If you have been here during this series, if you know about King David, you know that he was not always righteous. You know that he didn't always keep himself from sin. What is he trying to say here? What's going on? I mean, is this guy lying to us in a song? No. What David is doing, this murderous, adulterous, prideful man at times. He's singing about the fact that God has changed him. And for some reason, David begins to sing about how God now perceives him. Listen, listen, go down, would you? Just drop down into verse 33 and recognize what David acknowledges about God. It is God who arms me with strength strength, and keeps my way secure. Now, I, I know that it might be just 
It might be one of those things that's kind of covered over in our translation, but the same word there in verse 33, for He has made my way secure, is the same word that shows up in verse 24 in regards to blamelessness. What is David saying? He goes, I know who made me blameless. And it's not me. God, it's you. You have made me blameless. I'm not blameless because I was so good. I'm not righteous because I kept myself from sin. But you have cleansed me. It goes back to something that we've done before. Look at Psalm 51. Uh, These beautiful words, For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. In verse 7 of that same chapter, Cleanse me with hyssop. I will be clean. Wash me. I'll be whiter than snow. Only you can do that. Verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Instead, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Who is it that changes us? It's not us. Oh yeah, we can try. We can try and and just be really good people by our own will. But eventually, if that's all we ever do, if we just try real hard in and of ourselves, we will fail again and again. But if our identity is changed, if we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus through the power of God and the grace of Jesus, in His Holy Spirit that now lives within us, now our identity is different, isn't it? It's different. And we can stand before God and go, you have made me righteous. I am right with you. I am am now no longer far from you. I am near to you. Not because of what I have done, but because of what you've done. If you go to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, Paul gives us a primer on this. He says, But now Jesus has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and don't move from the hope held out to you in the Gospel. This is the Gospel. This is the Gospel that you've heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. He's saying, hey, you are now free from accusation. How? Because Jesus has come. This other Son of David has come for you. And His sacrifice for you is a covering for you. You now get to stand before Jesus. You get to stand before God right with Him. If you go to 1 Peter in the first chapter in verse 18, again, Peter says this. He says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, without blame or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Hey, gang, guess what? Our motivation to want to have a heart for God, it comes from God. Our motivation is the activity of God in the life of people. 
You see, he didn't just create this whole thing and let it go and wind us up and just watch what happens. No, he came down so that we might understand the love and the relationship that he has for us. And you're a part of that. If you want to develop a heart for God, if you want to be motivated, if you want to just develop and cultivate a heart that's motive, is to live for God, then you need to know God. You see, there's something interesting that I found as I was looking through this. In, in chapter 22, it's kind of weird. It's seriously weird because if you read chapter 21, David is at war. He's at war with the Philistines. And I thought, that's strange. He's at war and then he sings this song. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, okay, that's the Bible being the Bible, I guess. And then you get into like chapter 23 and 24 and David is uh, counting these mighty warriors. And after he counts all of his warriors, um, then he decides to, like, to do a very prideful thing. He says, I'm going to count everybody. And, and, and he's counting everybody because he's kind of like, yeah, I'm the man, you know, I, I'm going to count all of my, my, uh, my, my soldiers. I'm going to count all my soldiers and, and I'm going to puff up my chest and, and I'm going to tell everybody, you know, this is how big my army is, right? You all tracking with me now? Right? So here's what's happening on either side of this great song in chapter 22. In chapter 20, uh, let's see, 20, what comes before 22? 21. In chapter 21, David faces a war without. There's a war on the outside of him. On chapter 23 and chapter 24, we see a war within. So David's facing a war without in chapter 21, and he's in 23 and 24, he's facing a prideful war, a motivation war on the inside of him in chapter 23 and 24. So there's a war without and a war within. And I was just wrestling with this question this week. God, what is it that motivates our hearts to live for you? What is it that will cultivate and develop the hearts of people in Whiting Christian Church to live for God? What is it going to do? How are you going to change our hearts? How are you going to help us have this motive? And then, and then I looked at the context and I, ha Whether it's a war without or a war within, God is the one who gives victory. Whether it's a war without or a war within, God is the one who brings victory. That's what this song is all about. You might have all sorts of pressure. You might have chaos upon chaos in your life, but whether it's outward or it's inward, God's the one who brings you victory. How is it? What is it that it's going to motivate you to have a heart for God? It's the recognition that God brings victory. Because whether the war is without or the war is within, God's the one who gives victory. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. And Lord, I pray that we will begin to sing the songs that motivate our lives to live for you. Lord, I, I pray that we will recognize that you're a safe place. And that we can cry out to You and that You are faithful. Lord, we're, we're in desperate need of You. 
So I pray, Lord, that your grace will motivate our lives to continue to live for you. You give us victory. For whatever the wars are that are, (laughs) whatever the wars being fought are right now, whether they're without or within, remind us, help us to see that, Lord, you, you bring the victory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.